This is an I Am Listening exclusive podcast. If someone cares and someone's got the will to do it, yeah. it seems like it can be done, you know? So that's where I like going big and then going, no, it can be done. If it can be done in Brussels, it can be bloody done in Raynham. Hello and welcome to this Tread Lightly podcast from us at the Raynham Eco Hub. My name is Kaylee and I'm Liz. And this podcast is where we delve a little bit deeper into those conversations with local everyday heroes that are doing small and impactful changes. We hope that you get as much out of this as me and Liz do and that you also laugh just as much too. Did you know that repair cafes were founded by ex-journalist Martin Posma in the Netherlands in 2011? Did you also know that overall tree planting rates in the UK have increased since 2020 with over 3,128 hectares of trees planted just last year? Did you also know in certain areas protected by different schemes, harmful pollution from cars have reduced by 26%? So in this episode, Liz and I are going to be talking about all of the good stories in the eco world. We're picking up stuff from far and wide across the globe and also stuff in Kent and Medway. So get a cuppa, get comfy, because this might just be what you need to pick you up today. Welcome back to this episode. Good news stories, Liz. Exciting. Everyone needs a bit of a good news boost every now and then. Only because I wanted to read um, how we kind of came to saying we need to do, I would think we should do this every now and then, like a good news boost just to kind of fill the podcast because it's it's a big space, isn't it? Big scary yeah. space. And so I think it's important to kind of realise that good stuff is happening. So recognise the change that is happening. Yeah, you're right. Because you can get stuck, can't you? Otherwise in the kind of doom and dark and stuff that, that's so not much, happening. But there is stuff good. There is so much bad stuff, but there is so much good stuff. And they're basically, this is from Euro News, which I was kind of reading up on just to find out a little bit about the environmental stuff going on across Europe, basically saying like climate anxiety is, is really real. Um, and it's just important then just to try and flood yourself as well with good news stories. Eco-anxiety, climate doom and environmental existential dread. Bloody hell. Um, as a green journalist, we see a lot of the, this terms used a lot and we feel them as well. So they're basically saying while there's a lot to be worried about the climate and the nature crisis, we mustn't lose hope because hopelessness breeds apathy. Well, that was a really nice sentence there. So yeah, just talking about like the fact that the media's got a big role to play in terms of talking about environmentalism, helping people on their journey, but it's also got a job to be truthful, accurate, and at times it also needs to be positive as well. So I think it's important that we do celebrate those good news stories. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So where are you looking? So if you uh, want to kind of fill your tank up with some good stuff environmentally, where would you say to go to? Well, I, I very mindfully seek stuff out about the environment. I don't know whether you feel the same, but uh, probably about 18 months ago, I took a full social media and mainstream media break. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. The algorithms. I rate you for that, by the way. Oh, it was, it was turning me inside out. And just once the algorithms get you and they send you scary stuff of fires and floods and dead animals and terrible predictions like it you can send yourself down a bit of a wormhole so it took a full everything came off everything social media mainstream media I haven't gone back to really looking at mainstream media as well now so I'm very mindful and very conscious to go to certain places to look stuff so I enjoy looking at things across the globe so I think it's really nice to understand what's going really well locally so you're the opposite to me Always. Haven't you said this so many times? <laughs> I feel so disconnected from what is 
because like you, yeah. I don't absorb any sort of mainstream media uh, through choice. Have done for such a long time. Have you? Did you yeah. come off like mainstream media? Well, when I say mainstream media, I don't read the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't read the newspapers. So. Um, and I'm really selective around what I have on my social feeds now. That took me a long, long time so. to do that. But yeah, well, I've I've not done, probably about five years I made that. Wow, that's amazing. But I have trusted friends that do tell me when there are important things especially like wars and stuff yeah i like to kind of know what's sort of going on around that and being able to yeah yeah but i seek that out when i want to and i'm able and i've got the headspace to do that i suppose that is a part of being privileged isn't it being able to like be slip into that and be selective but um and i do recognize that so you're different to me in that you seek out world news whereas i seek out more local which is really interesting so how we've gonna come from those both angles doing well, this podcast. it blows my mind, right? So we came upstairs to do recording. We knew we were going to be talking today about good news stories. We hadn't discussed this at all, had we? And I said, oh, we've got some, I've got some really good examples from across Europe. And then Kaylee went, oh, I haven't. I've got them all locally. And I was like, oh, good, perfect. We hadn't even thought it through, but it worked really well. So go on then. So you've gone worldwide. Where are you going? Well, I mean, a lot of these ones are... Um, you know, I say, I say they're, they're good news. Some of them are um, work in progress, I guess. Um, and some of them are perhaps still a bit counts. high in the sky, but I think yeah. it's really interesting. So they were talking particularly about how um, in Brussels, there's been a real big emphasis on helping to make it pedestrian friendly. Had a reputation for being absolutely choked by traffic for years. And essentially they took a view of renovating the city with a real kind of eco-friendly, just looking at the city with an eco-friendly lens. And now it's become sixth in the global ranking for cities that are going green the fastest, which is really cool. Wow! And essentially they're trying to make it so that there's loads of things that people can do in all areas of Brussels within kind of 10, 15 minutes so people can get there on bike or um, mobility what? scooter. Is this this 15 foot. minute neighbourhood thing? I don't, know if, I don't know if that's the same thing. And this oh. is where like bringing it locally, that's kind of a word that gets banded around in the UK. But it seems to be Brussels are kind of smashing it. And the thing I love about that and the reason why, even though it's not local, I love it is I, I always, I genuinely believe like if there's a will and a vision yeah. and you want it to be more environmentally friendly, it can be done. And the fact that Brussels is a big city, we sit here wondering how we can ever make Raynham a better place to live and greener and more sustainable but if someone cares and someone's got the will to do it yeah it seems like it can be done you know so that's where I like going big and then going no it can be done if it can be done in Brussels it can be bloody done in Raynham so can I tell you something scary then do so it. my first good news story not to just interrupt you have you finished your first yeah go one? for it my first one is um about car sharing <laughs> isn't this weird <laughs> in that's Kent so and cool Medway. tell me so I mean I I know that when this goes out, we will have people go and chuck in loads of, you know, well, that ain't going to happen, this ain't going to happen. So for for now, just amuse me, okay? Amuse me that in Medway, give me some hope, because we're all about good news today, that this, you know, using your idea of where there's a will, there's a way. um, In Medway and Kent, there's a Medway and Kent car share um, app. Okay. Called... Car share. <laughs> uh, well, it's, on, it's online actually. And then you can sign up and join it. And then they break it down into like different uh, groups where you can like share your car. So for me, I've only got, we've only got one car for our household. So if I wanted to go to Maidstone, I could click on there and say, 
hey, is anyone like, well, I can look, people log on their journeys and then I can ask to lift, get a lift. Oh, get them. a lift. I yeah. thought it was that you borrowed someone's car for the day, but you jump in the car with them. There is an app for that and I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like uh, something wheels. Wow, that's helpful too. There is there is that, but that's really new and there isn't many cars in this area. They're all down by the coast and south coast. There's loads in Whitstable, Canterbury, those sorts of areas. I guess where they just get so clogged up, don't they? Mm. Whereas here, this is um, this is one where you can just log your journey. So I'm going here today. Does anyone need a lift? And then you take people. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? That and would then, really work for us as well because we've also only got one car. Oh yeah, you have. Every now and then, you just need. Well, twice a week actually. Twice a week we need. we're in two places, mm-hmm. and so we do we do borrow a car, and we've kind of got into the rhythm of doing that off yeah. um, off someone. But when. They don't have that car anymore, you know. It's yeah, and it's, like like you, we use the train. I don't actually use the bus because buses in Midway are an absolute nightmare, especially if you need to be somewhere on time and you yeah. need to to make sure that you get there. So like today, you know, going to a hospital appointment that would have been perfect because I could have. There's no train station really that you know, yeah. quickly. So I bet you've got loads of people that you could be like anyone going to the hospital yeah. this morning. It's cool, isn't it? It's really nice. It's so really nice. isn't that funny that we didn't even know that we were both doing similar sort of. But that's where you take that big stuff that go, how can you get cars off the road? Mm. Celebrate and empower people to just make sure the car's full when you're travelling somewhere. And you could like quarter the number of cars. And in the, um, I looked this morning, how many members there are in um, the Kent and Medway like section. And there's 4,100 at the minute. So it's, there's enough people in there that you could get a lift if you needed. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you've got a... But imagine if you really, really, I mean, sure someone is investing in that and their job is to promote Mm. it, Mm. but... I care and I've never heard about it before today. Like imagine yeah. if that then just becomes the thing. Second nature. Yeah. That's where we've got to get to, isn't it? So I wonder, I'd love to dig deep into Brussels and work out what they're specifically, what they are doing. Cause I'd also love to know about the person, the background of the person that had the vision, the, the magic wand and the vision and the influence to do it. Do you reckon it's just one person? I don't know. You've got to have somebody that's driving it that yeah. really cares about this. Cause I think we've had enough experiences of if the person in charge doesn't care, mm, nobody else will. You can't, it just won't happen. No. So if you, if you don't care, there's no interest, it won't happen. If somebody really, really cares, I genuinely believe it will. So yeah, I'd love to know who that person is in Brussels. So maybe a secret mission is to find out who the driving force was between. See if we can get my job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so go on, you go with your second one. So we're going back to Europe this time, this time to Amsterdam, actually, which led the way of... Um, trying to get repair cafes onto their high streets, essentially. So a repair cafe is where people take their, it could be their smartphone, it could be a pair of socks, it could be your bike, your toaster, a lamp, um, and where kind of the skill set of being able to recover stuff um, and the, you know, the attitude of potentially throwing stuff away too quickly, just going to the repair cafe and being like, can you make this good? And there are thousands of people out there, retired, some of them are paid, I don't know how the kind of funding model works, and they sit there and you can bring your stuff in. I don't know whether they do it there and then or whether you kind of, you know, check it in. And then, yeah, they'll go and like fix your stuff so that you just have to buy less. You can donate it if you don't want it anymore, but at least you're donating it in good condition. Um, but yeah, so essentially Amsterdam were leading the way in this about 10 years ago. And I think... 10 years ago? Yeah, mad, isn't it? And I think we're just catching up. We have obsessed 
about doing this for a long time, haven't we? Like having because it's a physical cafe. thing, isn't it? You can see it before your eyes of something Just happening. Yeah, the amount of stuff you can keep out of landfill, like little wire loose, or someone can do sewing, or somebody knows how to repair electrics. Or have whatever. you ever used one? I haven't. No, because there isn't. There isn't it one, isn't around, one here. around here. I have got a um, jumpsuit in my uh, wardrobe. Is that your sexy jumpsuit, the orangey one, the burnt orange one? <laughs> Oh, no, I borrowed that from Kim. Oh, did you? Um, no, this one is a blue polka dot one that I got off Vinted for like two quid. I wore it once and then the zip broke. Oh, no. But it's so nice and it's such good quality that I am waiting for to find somebody that could put a new zip in. And this is spooky, but I, my second good news story is the first repair cafe for Medway and Maidstone. Oh, <laughs> oh I knew about the one in Maidstone. Have we got one in Medway? Yeah, that, it's starting... Yeah, January. So, yeah. Talk to me. Well, I mean, they're just starting. What so, is it in, where are they? Uh, Maidstone Town Centre, I think. And uh, the Medway one is currently in Strood. Oh. Yeah. But I want to take my jumpsuit over and get my jumpsuit fixed. That would be so good. Um, I think, I don't know the paying structure. I think some of them you have to pay the people that do it, like for materials, not okay. necessarily time, but that's fair, isn't it? I'll take my own zip over or whatever. I see what you mean. And yeah. then they put it in. But I would love there to be a model where, and I don't know because I've not been, but I'd love there to be a model where they go, look, I've got a sewing machine. I'm crap. I don't really know how to use it. But I'd love for them to be able to go, look, this is actually how you then use it. Yeah. So then for the next time, you know how to do it yourself. I know how to do it myself. It's kind of that. And I think it would be so easy to measure the impact of that. To mm. be like, how many tonnes of things aren't in landfill? Or what would you have done with it if you didn't? Oh, that makes you excited. A bit of data. A bit of data and impact. Yeah. Doesn't it? Oh but my gosh. I've got, um, my dog sits on the back of my sofa. So he overlooks the road. He has, he's lazy in the sun. He has the best time, but he's bent my sofa cushion, like in the middle. <laughs> and I'm like, God's sake. <laughs> Like at some point, I'm going to have to replace that because he's just breaking my sofa. But essentially, all I need is like a funny shaped mm, middle because mm. it's actually all right. And I don't want to replace my whole sofa. No. So how good would that be if I'm just like, just make me a new, because it's not like a normal cushion shape. It's like, you know, it's bendy on the edge. Yeah. Just make me a new one of these. And then my sofa's saved. But there'll be other people that just can't necessarily get their head around how they can make that. What dog? What dog sits here? Marley or Wonky? Marley. I was going to say Wonky dog makes you Wonky sofa. Yeah, true. He'd break my sofa in half with his long spindly <laughs> legs. But no, Marley sits there all day. Does he has he? the time of his life. But oh. I'm like, stop trashing my sofa. <laughs> That's cool though. So Strud and Maidstone are kind of coming good. Yeah. And there's a, a eco hub in Maidstone, isn't there? There's an eco hub in Maidstone. I think they've been involved in the repair cafe actually. Journey. Yeah. That's really cool. nice, isn't it? Really it's cool. a bit like men in sheds. I've got so much. I've learned so much about men in sheds over the last couple of weeks. What are men in sheds? Um, men in sheds is basically men getting together, fixing stuff with tools in sheds. But do you know it started in Australia? No, I didn't. Yeah, it started in Australia. I think similar time, probably about 10, 15 years ago. And um, really, really quickly, I'll tell you this story, right? So it started with um, a couple of guys that were like, oh, I sit in my shed and I, um, I make stuff fix stuff and then um why don't we just put our tools and our sheds together and like work together because it's just so nice like nice hanging out yeah let's hang out and so it basically started a movement and so all across australia these men in sheds were just popping up and it was just men getting together in the sheds fixing making stuff amazing right absolutely amazing and then public health got involved and uh, basically it was like, this is so good because they saw men as being like a hard to reach kind of 
group of people and they could see that mental health was better, that physical health was better. And there was so many benefits to these men getting together in sheds. And so they sent loads of researchers down to go and um, collect data, essentially. And then they wanted to support it. So they were chucking money into it and they made it an official thing. And then overnight, men in sheds ended. Ended? Why? Ended. Because they made it a thing. And you don't need it to be a thing. Hang on. I need to get my head around that because I didn't think that's how that sentence was going to end. But I'm kind of going, that makes sense. Do you mean then it took kind of the... Um, it took the autonomy away from the people who whose it was. Does that make sense? Does Basically, it, did it feel like you were going to a support group suddenly, whereas before you were like, "I'm not going to a support." It's like an official thing, isn't it? And when you have an official thing, you need a risk assessment. You need this, and you need See that, you and you need to have these meet these aims. And, like, and maybe you might not think that you need that. Maybe you do, but you don't quite realise you do. But, but they were someone- already doing it. <laughs> But maybe if they went, go here for your mental health, you'd yeah. be like, no, thank you. But yeah. they would just go. They would have just found their way. Yeah. Oh, that is mad. Isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, like I, I've been learning so much about that sort of stuff and it is fascinating. Basically, people stay in your lane. Yeah. I think that's interesting from the hub's perspective as well, because we've had a lot of people say we need to formally constitute and you need a committee and you need a bank account. and You need this and yeah. that and the other. And, and the power is in not that. We've always <laughs> resisted it, haven't we? Being like, we don't need a. We don't need a boss. You don't need a hierarchy. No. You don't need a whatever. Just crack on and do it. And it's institutional. And those, I think we've worked out those days are dead. They are. They're, they're dysfunctional. And I think they, they prohibit progress sometimes, don't they? And that's a good example of how it does. Do you want to live more sustainably, but you just don't know where to start? Did you, like me, sign up for Veganuary and accidentally buy chicken sausages on day two? Does the whole eco thing leave you feeling confused and sometimes overwhelmed? If so, this is the podcast for you. Remember to check us out on our socials on Facebook and Instagram, The Raynham Eco Hub. So, sorry, I digress. What is your third good news story? Well, what I love here is, um, so Spain... Oh, I love Spain. Spain. Huge issues with drought, wildfires, which, you know, is like my biggest fear. Absolutely terrified of wildfires. Um, And essentially Spain being um, a huge area of, um, huge area of land gets huge wildflowers. Oh my God. (laughs) Wildfires in the summer. And so what they're doing is they're investing 1.4 billion to try and protect um, this specific wetland from drought and essentially looking at trying to work out how when it does rain, capture the water, they bring the water into the ground, leave it to kind of sink into the water table so that there's a bit more resilience when there is a drought. Because essentially where they've chipped away all the land, they've taken a load of trees down, they've taken vegetation out, the soil is just letting the water run off it ends up going into streams and rivers and whatever else whereas if they can get back to creating a wetland where they've got lots of kind of boggy areas and areas where the grass is taking the water they hold the moisture and they capture it it's hopefully giving a bit more resilience to this particular area and the reason why i like this is because drought scares me obviously as i as i've repeated eight million times and i remember i drove through where did we go it was um we went to a park just outside stratford when it was really, really hot last summer and the trees, it looked like it was autumn because all the trees had literally like crunched up and they were all like the trees and the leaves were falling off. Essentially, they're saying if they can get the water table a bit higher when it's raining, then when there is a drought, there's just that bit more resilience and trying to like be a bit more creative around capturing Wow, where's water. that, Spain? This was in Spain, yeah. But I think I've seen I've seen, I've seen seen things online as well where they're talking about how yeah, Project Camp, for an example. Oh, wow. The last one of them, did you watch it where they were building swales? So then when they capture the water, the water kind of stays on yes. the Yes, I did. That looks like such 
much hard work. Yeah, and they've got the space <laughs> to do it, which is great. But essentially, rather than having it just run off because the soil's all eroded because they've removed all the vegetation, trying to kind of create a wetland and a, an area where... Oh, is that, what a wetland's, that, is that what a wetland is? Well, they're, they're not creating a wetland in Portugal because that's not necessarily a wetland area where they are. But they're still just working with the land to try and capture and hold on to water when the water rains. To... to um so they planted lots of fruit trees and stuff, didn't they? Yeah. And then they made like a zigzag along the the um, where the trees were so that when the water comes in, it kind of like goes down and filters down. So, it, so like a it, bendy river almost. Yeah, though, so it? then it waters the trees, right? Is waters that, the trees. Yeah. And then I think what we'll see when it comes back in February, and yeah. I'm so excited, Project Camp are going to come on our podcast for another day. Um, Fangirling. Literally. Um, but yeah, they're also going to have like three or four little what they call swales, which is like kind of cap- captured bits of water just to give a bit more resilience again for um, um, for when it's dry. So I know it won't solve the problem, but just trying to be a bit more creative about water and trying to realise that um, chopping a load of trees away, digging all the vegetation doesn't just screw things over from a biodiversity point of view, but actually from a water point of view, it means that we're more um, at risk when we have a drought. I love that. You just made me think then that when I um, when I meet lots of different people in lots of different positions that can kind of like get creative around and make decisions around um, things locally, environmentally, I always like asking the question, um, who are you watching and who are you learning from? Like who out there is doing what you're trying to achieve and doing it really, really well? Yeah. And what can you learn or you know, not even necessarily good stuff, but like what stuff are they doing that you go, oh no, wouldn't do that yeah. because that wouldn't work here. Because, you know, Medway is a very specific town place, you know, as is everywhere, but you know, you're, you all have your own unique identity, yeah. don't you? Um, and do you know what? Nobody has ever said to me, oh, I'm looking at these over there. Like no one's ever said that. What do you mean? Not looking at what? Well, like, like, so I have said to people in public health, like, the stuff that you're trying to do around air quality, like who are you looking at? Who's doing some really, really cool stuff that you kind of either want to replicate or yeah. learn from? Nobody ever goes, yeah, I'm learning from this person. Whoa, that blows my head. And I, and I, it blows mine because I think we need to be looking outward so much more in all areas, like not even just environmental, just in our life in general. Yeah. We need to be just looking outside and kind of seeing how other people are doing stuff. And you're not going to be um, able to take it something exactly right because we're all different and we've got different problems and yeah. they need to be solved differently. But like, that's where you get your inspiration and your like your creativity goes, isn't Don't it? You and think, and this is going a bit off topic. Um, yeah, sorry, that's me again. No, but this is going off topic in terms of, you know, when we were talking about the fact that the hub doesn't work with that structure of chairman, secretary, treasurer, constitution, all that kind of stuff. And it's allowed things to be more creative. I can't help but think that historically and probably from kind of maybe the 60s onwards, there was the boss who knew the most. And then there was kind of a deputy boss and then there was a team of team leaders and then there was some kind of doers. And historically it just worked out that the most experienced person was the person who had the ideas and then we all just followed mm-hmm. and if you weren't in that mm. in that sector or yeah. you weren't in that sphere then you didn't have a space at the table because this is our team doing our thing mm. and I think we then forgot to remember to ask perhaps the other department what they think or ask Joe Bloggs on the street what they think or ask the new up-and-coming officer what they think rather than just because you've always been there the longest you've got the loudest voice and the most power that you 
have the ideas. And so maybe like society just made people kind of close in with the view of promotions and structure and no collaboration. It, it stops collaboration, doesn't yeah. it? I absolutely love collaboration. I can't think of anything better than just like meeting new people and like learning like about them and their story and what they're doing and stuff. Yeah. And because it, it makes me then like so many clogs in my brain then start going. I love all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I do. But I think people can sometimes get, I don't know whether there's a fear that somebody who isn't in the paid position or the, you do see what I mean? Like they, maybe there's a fear of like asking that somebody might have a better idea than you. Historically, I'm talking about. I'm yeah. hoping that I do have that forward. sometimes though. Do you think? Yeah. If I see somebody doing something I've wanted to do for a long time and I haven't been able to do it, I get a bit envious. Yeah. I do get that. I think I've said that to you before. Like I'm like, oh, why are they doing that? Oh, I, I want to do that. But it's, but then I have a chat with myself and then obviously cheerlead them because that's the right thing to do. And I, and it's better that somebody's doing it rather than me. But I think a lot of people maybe do have that. They just don't maybe say it. Do you think? Yeah. And I think it's changing as well. I think, think it was maybe a historic view that the most senior person in the room had the best ideas. I don't think that's the case now. I think. Oh, I don't, I don't ever think that. I think societally, maybe not. I don't know, but. I think things are changing and yeah. I think kind of bringing people to the table from all different walks of life. It would never be that you would brought everybody to the table. It'd be that a certain type of person would yeah. brought to the table. And I think hopefully things are starting to change. The table's getting bigger, isn't it? And when we say diversity, we are genuinely true and not tokenistic about uh, biodiversity. Why can I not just replace normal words with environmental words? But <laughs> actual <laughs> diversity, not biodiversity, for God's sake. <laughs> Go, hit me. So my third one is uh, actually not local, but it can be linked to local. So the Eden Community Project, um, I know that I've spoken about them before and I was really lucky in 2023 to be um, funded to go on the community Eden Community Camps. They do every single year. Have you heard of Big Lunch? Yeah, I have. I used to do Big Lunch at... Where did I do Big Lunch? Maybe plant life. Did maybe, you? I can't remember. It's lovely. Talk Such to me more about it. Though, it's a long time ago. So big lunch um, in 2024 is going to be running the first and the second of June, which is a weekend. Um, in fact, when most people uh, would have done some sort of like street party last year for something, I can't remember what it was. I don't know something. Coronation might have been. Yeah. That. They, oh yeah, it was coronation. Yeah, it, that was sponsored by Big Lunch. Oh, was it? So their whole idea is around uh, community organisers and uh, bringing communities together. And so encouraging people to do exactly what you said, which is you don't need a structure, you don't need this. You just need to knock on your neighbour's door and say, do you fancy seeing if we can get our roads closed and having a lunch together over this weekend? Oh, so they discourage kind of too much organisation as well. I mean, they always say, ask for permission, of course. And like there is on their website, loads of stuff that says, you know, how to even apply to get your road closed and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah but basically they um, encourage you to just crack on and get creative and come up with those sort of ideas. And That's really nice. Yeah, and they give, they give quite a lot of ideas if you are lacking in creativity, but you've got the heart for it, you know? So big lunch. I think... Um, It'd be really interesting after we've had the last couple of years of having street uh, street parties because that's the first time in my life that I've experienced street parties. Did you have a street party up your road? Yeah, we had every single one. I don't know what they. I don't even know what they're for. Oh, I tell you, no, I do know. We had one for the VE Day and Coronation and the Jubilee. So we've had three, three. Yeah, 
we shut good, for all of them. But yeah, it's really good. So um, your road's perfect for a street party. It's yeah. really long, isn't it? And we've got an amazing community organizer in our um, road. That is not me. <laughs> which is always a joy to me really yay to them that's yay cool. to them and they made everyone move their cars and we had the kids playing in the street which has made me since then really want to do um see if we can apply for a play streets thing have you heard of that no talk to me about play, play streets. streets is um there's mainly in london i think that's where it started and you can apply to the council to have your street closed uh, for a couple of hours um so the kids can basically play out in the street oh my god that's yeah so good. like they chalk on the street get all the toys out um and again that's the same thing that's bringing people together and that's doing stuff that we did as kids yeah because my our road's so busy i'd never let my kids play out the front but if it was shut yeah and I, and I guess that again comes back down to if there's a yes man or woman at the heart of this mm. it can happen can't mm. it because there's mm. other examples of where it has happened and it used to happen I guess it just depends on if you've got the person, the decision maker. If you yeah. say yes, you can make that work. Yeah, you can make it work. It? How exciting. Oh, I've liked this one. Me too. Have we got time for one more? What, yeah, one go. More? Okay, one more. I'll try and keep this one quick because this is my fave. So this is how green corridors saving one of Brazil's most endangered species from deforestation. So this has been run by young people in Rio de Janeiro, essentially looking for safe passages um, between two areas of green space, which obviously was originally um, the Amazon, but now it's kind of got a little bit segmented where they've had development going on and certain sections of the Amazon mean that two bits of the forest aren't connected. So what they've done is they've been planting tree seedlings, which eventually will connect the two patches of the forest together yeah trying to kind of rewild it but also making sure that there's a safe way for animals to get from a to b without needing to kind of get into contact with humans which is absolutely lovely and happening you know happening in brazil and in the rainforest of course we must be able to do this like locally um what two patches have we got where we've maybe got like a hedge over there and a hedge over there we could could we connect those hedges in our gardens and put like you know a little kind of runway between the two so that it creates a bigger habitat so you don't just have one patch of green here one patch of green there how can we bring it together and connect it and the fact that it's being done in one of the most challenging countries in the world and they're able to do it with such an important part of um, part of the world so yay for that let's do yay more of that locally that. I, I think Leon if he's listening will love you for saying that because I remember when you taught me about hedgerows and how important they are for wildlife they I think you called them like nature's corridors and when I learned that I was like oh that's one of those things that I now can't unknow. Yeah. I think just I was like you exactly it. before that you'd go, I'll tell you what, I'll plant a hedge there. I'll tell you what I do, I'll plant a hedge there. And then you just go, those hedges offer nothing to nature if they can't get from one to the yeah. other. And I was like, oh my God, obviously. Like you say, like you go, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. You try you try your best, don't you? When you yeah. don't know and go, I'll plant two hedges in my garden. But if you can plant a run of hedges, then suddenly there's a whole habitat that can yeah. kind of get from A to B. It's a bit like in our garden. We've got a spin, I think it's called a spindle fence. Okay. You know, like the just the sticks connected together by, by a bit of wire. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then we've got like a hedge from next door that like grows up the other side of it. And um, when we got a dog, we had to put some chicken wire because some of the spindles have gotten wider because the foxes obviously go through them. So we didn't want the dog to go next door. So we put up this chicken wire. And I'm glad, because at the time I didn't know, that obviously you still need like hedgehogs to be able to get through and stuff. Yeah. So they can still get through. And actually the fox doesn't really care that we've got chicken wire there because he still gets his way through it. There's like a big massive hole. <laughs> he still gets through anyway. So, But yeah, I didn't know any of that. Whereas, so now it's stuff that... You know, when people say that, like, once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah. That's that sort of thing, because you had explained it in a really 
They're doing Easy it in way. Brazil. And now they're doing it in Brazil. Yeah. Well, they've probably been doing it for ages before I know, but, you know. Probably true. I've enjoyed this episode. Same. I think we need to do good news swaps every now and then because it can get a bit heavy, can't it? I think we should do it again where we don't um, tell each other what our good news stories is and see if we end up with similar ones. Is, how weird is that similar, that we've done but that? you went local, I went like... Yeah, that's weird that it was the same sort of thing. We were listening on, um, if you any of you listen to our Love Med radio show, you'll know that Kaylee and I agree on pretty much nothing. <laughs> We've got nothing in common, have we? Love this song. I don't love this song. I don't know this song. I know this song. There's like, when it, maybe when it comes to music and then like two hours after listening to this, we come here and we've done the same again, haven't we? A bit weird. Mad, isn't it? Very cool. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening, guys. Make sure you subscribe and you give us some love. All the best. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Rainham Eco Hub's Tread Lightly podcast. If, like us, you're trying to be more sustainable, then like and subscribe to get notified when we release new episodes, or even better, share with your friends and family. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, and thank you for joining us. Stay safe, keep going, and find us on socials. Cheers, guys. This has been an I Am Listening exclusive podcast. For more information, head over to our website, im-listening.co.uk.